not live, but from Berlin. This is the Virtually Possible Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Virtually Possible Podcast. This week, I'm bringing you a wonderful conversation with the lovely Iris Tvitko, my ex-colleague from Sociomantic Labs. Sociomantic Labs, unfortunately, doesn't exist anymore. However, the Sociomantic family stays strong, so the connection is still there. Iris is an HR partner, but also a long-term learning and development advocate and expert. Over my favorite orange ginger and cinnamon tea, we're discussing the future of learning in companies, learning and development schemes, and outlining some practical tips for individual growth. Welcome, Iris, to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and hi, Maria. Thank you for having me on this wonderful podcast. I'm very grateful and excited to be here and to talk about the wonderful topic of learning and development and the future of work. And I think this is especially important right in this 2020 year when everything (laughs) has gone upside down. So uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited we get to sit and talk about especially those topics where you've had so much experience over the years working initially at, at Sociomantic and then Dunhambi, I think is, it's still there, right? Yes, yeah. yes yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Dunhambi is still there. Okay, Dunhambi cool. is still alive and kicking. <laughs> yeah. So I think what I wanted to start with was your story, actually, and how you got into learning and development initially, mm-hmm. and now you were exploring the area of HR and you're the HR business partner. So if you could give us a little bit of a background on how you started and why did you get so interested in learning and development? All right. So basically, I came to Berlin about five years ago and I had zero German work experience, right? So I wanted to start uh, over my whole career. I've been working in marketing and management, all sorts of different kind of jobs. You can imagine what you do when you finish university, right? And I've been always looking for what is right for me. And I remember now that you say, like, I think it was about seven or eight years ago, I was sitting in my bedroom in Croatia and thinking like what would be my ideal job and I was like thinking about something like maybe teaching helping people grow and develop but I don't really want to work with kids or in a school I don't think that's my thing and back then in the day and maybe even today in Croatia that was not really a thing learning and development organizational development as is and um, I was always very keen on these things, but I didn't know they exist. So I re- really remember when I started, when I found my first job in Sociomantic, I mm-hmm. actually applied for the office manager role because, you know, your qualifications had to be very little for that. So I was like, I'm starting over. I just need a foot in the door. And the first day uh, of work, I got introduced to different departments and I really vibrantly remember talking to the head of learning and development. And when she explained to me what L&D is all about, what they're doing, I was just like, this is it. (laughs) I knew it. This very second, I was blown away and I was like, this is going to be the future of, uh, of work in general and my career, hopefully, as well. And then as time grew, I started, um, you know, working together with you with different departments and different things and uh, also with the learning and development team on employee engagement topics it was very simple back then and then one day I think a year after I started they just came down to me and said you know what we like how you think would you like to work in the L&D team and I was like this is a dream come true yes of course (laughs) let's do this (laughs) 
Shout out to Heidi. Shout course. out to Heidi, absolutely. Heidi, the queen of learning and development. <laughs> yeah, I also learned so much from Heidi when we were working at advisory and we were developing all the workshops and, mm-hmm. and just the content for learning. And the way she would, you know, introduce different concepts and how many ideas she brought to me, her way of thinking about different things was so novel to me and so interesting. And I do owe her a lot of my own learning and development as a trainer as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is definitely true. And I was very lucky to work with her. And after her, two other wonderful mentors, starting in L&D, very fresh, it's... uh, it's a big world to just get to know and there's so many different facets of it and working with Heidi initially was wonderful but we were a small team of two people and there was 250 people to cater for so Mm. there was no time for coddling (laughs) it was thrown into fire and let's do this I remember I think it was in my second or third week and she couldn't go to the UK to do a workshop and she was like do you mind going? And I was like, it's my dream. Yes, of course I want to go. So um, I remember doing a workshop right from the get-go and working with the team and developing them. And the, yeah, this is how my love started. And I learned so much over the the few years that I worked with Sociomantic and Danami as well, consequently in the learning and development team. It was really an amazing journey to see all of that uh, happening and meet so many people across the borders. So. Yeah. I think to this day, the sociomantic love story is a huge love story for so many people. Yeah. Just how many great people we've met, how strong the bond is the, um, that we don't even work with anymore, right? But the family in Berlin is super strong, super but, strong but boring, then also yeah. just globally, the everyone we know. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. And I really believe this was very much to the efforts of all the teams and all the knowledge sharing that we did and we really always tried to stay connected even with the teams furthest apart in China and in different locations we always tried to do different engagement tactics to really have everyone on board that was something magical I've talked to many people since and nobody really experienced this kind of togetherness in other companies since they left so it's like it's it's, the, it's a myth it's a myth, it's a myth. <laughs> yeah I always thought we were so, I was so extremely lucky to join this company the fact that um, shout out to Mac as well that Mac got me out of Deloitte really randomly so that I could start working in in marketing the fact that I changed industries that was one thing but just getting to meet this amazing bunch of people like really that doesn't happen mm-hmm. and it kind of scarred me in this positive way that I would always <laughs> expect that this is going to be the vibe in every company that I would join because what we've had was impossible to mm-hmm. come by yeah, um, to be very honest. It is very true. And I believe that a lot of it has to do with also talent acquisition. Because in the beginning, when you're looking for talent, I remember our um, head recruiter, Tash, at the moment, she was mm-hmm. always looking for the right fit. So if you were not the right fit, you would probably not get hired. So in in this kind of created a very interesting culture from the get-go. And I think one of the values was as well that people are interested in learning and growing. And that was what added continuously to this culture, people wanting to share their knowledge and the workshops that we were having, especially also you in advisory as well with the sales teams, they were just legendary. It was was incredible. It was so much fun. It was a lot of fun, but also a lot of learning 
talking and sharing the experience everybody felt empowered to say what they believe and how we can improve things and how we can innovate on different levels and that was really incredible to experience on that level Oh, it just makes me so sentimental to think about <laughs> social magic now. Sadly, not not there anymore, but we're very grateful for the experience that we've gotten and the network right now and just it had such a great ripple effect. We still to this day support each other, you know, help each other out in so many ways. You coming here and talking to me. <laughs> this Absolutely. Is awesome. You calling me to come here in the first place. So yeah, and great. you finally making it happen because we had a little bit of a situation last week with the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> but the bomb did not go off, I hope. No, no, no. Everything was okay. But this is a, I think it's a Berlin tradition. If you haven't been evicted for a World War II bomb <laughs> being excavated next to you, you haven't lived here, yeah. I guess. What, so what happened with the bomb? So they they defused it. It was it was a very interesting experience, you know, being dragged out of your house in your PJs most almost in the morning, and then you know just waiting for like an incredible team of I think it was five or six unit that defused the bomb, and then yeah, really kudos to them for doing that because mm-hmm. you know at one point you were like, will I have a home to return to? What's gonna happen? But it was just one day, right? Like they, they did just, it in a day. They did it in a day, really, like very efficiently. So. Yeah. Well, shout out to the Berlin bomb squad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back to learning and development. I wanted to start with the basics, really. Because like you said, we're living in this crazy time of 2020. Everyone's remote. Companies still need to operate. And there's many new companies coming into the market. It's maybe more valuable for those new founders, for those companies that are, are in this dynamic uh, growth phase to help them understand the importance of L&D and the approach to building your capabilities in that in that area even even though you might be a very small team but if you're accumulating knowledge experience expertise Mm -hmm. even in those early days it makes sense to think about how this can be leveraged in the future and how can this be leveraged to grow talent so maybe you can give us a little bit of a okay how does that abc (laughs) abc's there's of lnd there's a lot of uh, aspects to this especially if you think of companies that are just in their growing stages and Mm -hmm. so they it's i would say learning and development is still kind of the luxury department of hr and not many companies have it like i believe in the last 20 years there's been a growing need for mental well-being of the employees and also the the need for them to grow and develop has proven to be so important Mm -hmm. that a lot of companies have caught on to that and realized okay we need to offer something to our employees to continue growing and to share their knowledge and to help them develop uh, an upskill so um, this is how it all started and it is very much a luxury department and it's very established in the US and in the UK I would say but in also in very big corporations Mm -hmm. now the need for it is still growing and younger companies usually are just focusing on getting their feet on the ground and running and they don't really think about learning and development from the get-go even though later it comes they see that if we have started to accumulate our knowledge from the beginning it would have been so much easier to navigate this storm 
but not everyone thinks that way and it really also depends on the company on the founders how where they are what their experience is and where they want to take their company mm-hmm. so uh, yeah there's many many parts to it and as I said not many companies do really invest in learning and development what I have seen to be a trend um, lately is though that a lot of companies will look for HR business partners that have a little bit of L&D background to help them start, mm-hmm. you know, start building out a few of the just even feedbacks loops or systems, anything, you know, to kind of generate a growth of knowledge. Bigger companies will have complete teams like we were lucky in Sociomantic, we were a small team, but then when, you know, we transitioned to Danhambi, there was like a global team of almost 12 people, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that was Huge. A huge team to work with and really develop loads of stuff, you know, from the capability standpoint and also from the the standpoint of uh, personal development inside work and leadership development. There was uh, different kind of uh, people in charge of different uh, areas of learning and development as well. So that was very, very cool to be part of. In general, as you said, in the beginning, when companies start up, they don't think of this or the importance of that. So what I would say is very important is for them to, no matter how many people there are, if they're two or five, to start cataloging their processes, their knowledge. So even if it's for just as simple a thing as onboard someone new, this mm-hmm. new person needs to understand, like, how do things work here? How do, uh, where do I get this information or this data from? Who can help me with that? And if they start early with that, this is the the simple, simple base. And then if they keep on fostering a knowledge exchange, just peer-to-peer learning, even just reflecting on their mistakes and how things are going, this is a very, very organic L&D growth, Mm -hmm. which doesn't really require having an expert there. But if you have one, they will probably foster it, right? But if you're in the beginning, you don't have money to even pay your free people. You just don't want to invest in something like this. Just start with that, I would say. Yeah, these are really good, simple tips that everyone can use whenever they start. And the hard part, I think, initially is the time constraint when you're a founder and that you don't have time to sit down and write down your policies, write down your processes. But at the same time, what you can do is to even record yourself and have voice notes of every process that you want people to follow. Mm -hmm. And then have one of your interns or someone who's helping you out write it down. And then, like you said, catalog it and just have it somewhere on the Mm -hmm. cloud or wherever your um, initial yeah knowledge base um absolutely and there is there is many apps now that people can use even just for tracking their work and building Mm -hmm. stuff Uh, i don't know if you remember we used to use trello at work Mm -hmm. as like an onboarding plan or a learning plan like we would set it up like this because it was basically free and very easy to use right so everyone can get to it and there is this is very simple ways to kind of kick off yeah, the amount of tools that are available today, Trello, Asana, Asana, uh, Asana that I, I think I prefer mostly. There's Notion that I don't like so much, but some people love yeah. it. Yeah, but even if you just want to have notes, right, like you can use Evernote or you can really just use Google Docs, you know, if what, you're looking for something really, really simple. Whatever really suits you. Yeah. I believe even just Outlook even has like a planner now in Teams and whatever yeah. people are using yeah, it, the, it it works <laughs> depending which devil you're paying for your suite the, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, 
So we'll say cataloging. What do you think about when you said that the important part of the L&D framework is also uh, knowledge sharing? How can you foster that knowledge exchange um, in the organization? Do you have to set up something structured or, you know, how should that be organized really? So this should be like a dedicated time that people know that is it's okay to take this time and it's okay to get together and share ideas and knowledge. And uh, if you have leaders and managers that really encourage that, they would set it in the people's calendars. So it could be like a really an event around this, even a virtual one mm-hmm. right now. I think it's very important for people to get together and just share whatever they know and learn from their mistakes. I mean, you, we, we see this in, in the agile way of working, how people work through sprints and then always reflect on what could have been better. This is a basic start of it. Mm-hmm. So just reflecting on how to do things and sharing ideas and helping each other. And then, of course, there is other uh, methods that people can use, whatever really suits the company. And now, given that there's no end in sight for working remotely, what is happening in the L&D world? How do we deal with <laughs> everyone not being in the same room and the Zoom fatigue and all of that stuff? Oh, well, I, I will say it's it's a big challenge. It's been a big discussion and an ongoing discussion, even before the pandemic, actually. I remember we also used to work virtually a lot because we had teams across the globe and you cannot always afford to have people in the same room because they're in different locations. So you would have to do virtual sessions as well. And it's manageable, it's doable. It just needs to be very specific and catered. So a session that would usually, a normal workshop that you would do for the whole day in a classroom, you will have to cut it down to half a day mm-hmm. in virtually because people cannot focus that long. It's impossible when you're learning in this virtual system. I really, really don't envy schools these days and teachers working in schools because with children, the attention span is even lower and that is so difficult to manage. So really, uh, you know, kudos to all the teachers out there, you know, fighting the good fights and trying to educate Mm -hmm. people remotely as well. But in L&D and in HR, as I said, even before the pandemic, it was a topic that has been discussed and the biggest approach we have right Right now and that has been going on with blended learning so you would have a mix of uh, face-to-face virtual self-study um, videos anything that is com- that you can combine and this is the future still of learning I haven't personally met any facilitator that prefers virtual to <laughs> face-to-face Obviously, it's yeah. very it's uh, it's a big challenge I can tell you because it depends really on how big the group is if if it's more than 10 people you will absolutely struggle and have zero engagement from the group because you cannot get to everyone, cannot really interact the same way you would in a room. And I know that it is very draining as well. I myself have done, uh, I believe it was the most difficult virtual course that I have done was a coaching session for managers. And I had, I believe, 15 people in the session and it was a three hour session. And we had even had breakout rooms, so I had different kind of links they would join and then there would just be two people in the different link, you know, talking to each other. So you can definitely do that. Thank God technology allows this these days. Mm-hmm. But by the end of these three hours, I was completely drained because you have to not only manage the session and the facilitation, make sure everyone's engaged, but you also have to pay attention to all the links, all the have I sent them the right one and 
stay in time because these mm-hmm. people in the end of the day when they're done with their three hours with you they still have work to do mm-hmm. most likely so um it's it's definitely a challenge so right now you guys are mostly sticking to doing things on zoom or is there a way to make it a little bit more interactive well i've been asking a lot of my friends and counterparts working in hr and lnd in different groups how are you managing right now like what is what how are you doing things and they would say we're just trying to get away through this as everyone else and trying to keep people engaged the best we can um yeah i don't know if it's that easy when it comes to virtual workshops people can use them people can can do a lot and learn a lot still virtually but it needs to be adaptable because the focus and the time span you spend in a virtual session is just very different than interacting face to face. The most challenging part for me always in workshops is when people are sharing their screen and they're flipping through different tabs and you know <laughs> scrolling up and down and because of the delay and because of the technology even though being great like it's not always very smooth that I always find to be a little bit much and I think it's easier if you can well if you can afford putting together videos where it's more seamless, it it has a much better effect. And then you can just meet up to do the discussion. Um, So kind of like what Octomo was actually trying to do, structure a course, make it interesting through the video and other self-study parts, and then have brainstorming kind of catch-up sessions with people. They're absolutely onto something here because the thing is that we live in a time and age where our attention span is very short. So this is why the popularity of YouTube, Snapchat, Twitter, everything that is short, sweet and snappy, you like it and people want to use it and people can focus on it. Same goes into learning. So if you have a video that is very short and very informative and clear, people will most likely learn more from this two minutes than they would by sitting and reading for like an hour sometimes. So so this is why people are trying to save time and to get everything shorter. Of course, you, some things take time and you need to learn them but with this approach that you just said Optimal has where you have a short video a little bit of self uh, study and then you can have feedback sessions or just discussions upon it that's really I think an engaging way to do it yeah even I think just breaking down all of that content into a lot of small videos yes doesn't feel so overwhelming I now started doing French course and I'm learning French and every day this is a 40 minute course a day and even though it would seem it's 40 minutes so a lot but he breaks it down into like five six seven minute videos and they seem very much edible and easy to take Mm -hmm. and you can obviously pause them and, and do some exercises and stuff but because it's not one 45 minute thing I think my brain maybe somehow subconsciously is like okay it's a five minute chunk five minute chunk five minute chunk and then that's how uh, I'm happy to to take it in. Like you said, I think before we started talking about this on record, <laughs> the gamification of everything that uh, we are being presented with, because we just like to be deceived that <laughs> it actually won't take 45 minutes. It only takes five times nine <laughs> minutes. It's okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I think gamification is the absolute future of learning because the fact is, and I think I've read or heard it in a podcast somewhere, recently as well that what takes you usually 10 days to learn will take you 20 minutes for a game oh that would be lovely how cool is that i heard that and i was like this is amazing but this is really true i mean uh, 
just if you look at children, how they learn through playing, it's mm-hmm. incredible because you're in that moment when you're playing, when you're actively engaged, you're in your flow, you're absolutely focused, you're having mm-hmm. a good time and you're still learning something on top of that. I mean, this is nothing new, of course. Children do it all the time. We can observe it and it's just incredible. And with technology and the way it's going and the way games are now created as well, and also like platforms we were talking about, Duolingo for learning languages and stuff like this, it's going in a way where you can really start learning anything you want by just playing through it. And the thing is, if you play a game for four Five minutes it seems like five mm-hmm. but if you're sitting somewhere and really have to learn yeah. something or like really pay attention it seems like it's never ending so yes games are my preferred way to go go and learn mm-hmm. it's a great thing that the gaming industry is also booming and growing and i hope that more people are actually gonna be open to learning through gaming as opposed to only using games to spend time time and waste time (laughs) yeah because i'm always mostly interested in playing crossword games puzzle games anything that's hard and tricky is what i like but actually that's not really wasting time to be honest well then i this is why i don't feel like i'm wasting time because (laughs) at least i'm you know playing scrabble or something like that Mm -hmm. or playing a crossword so i feel that at least i'm poking my brain and a little bit and i would just wish that more people would be open to doing that rather than just shooting other people yes yes definitely but it's what i'm saying is there is also there is this part of neuroplasticity being involved in this because different parts of your brain are activated in the times that you play and you can really trigger people in different um ways which is incredible and uh sometimes we need this as there is countless books on this on how creativity is actually sparked by play and you're really going back to this mindset of a child where nothing is impossible, where you can build houses from cards and, and anything. It's just, it's incredible, the imagination. And I think what happens when we start working and when we grow up is that people start losing that part of themselves and companies don't reinforce this and then they're surprised why there is no innovation in the company because you drilled it out of people there is no time for playing creativity and fun and just you know developing this side of the brain that really helps contribute to these things so i really believe that there needs to be a general mind shift in companies where they instead of looking at workshops and playful games and all of this is a waste of time to start thinking of, okay, maybe this is actually helpful. Creative thinking workshops are the biggest boom in the last few years because they realize that people come up with the craziest and best ideas for innovation inside the company just by doing them. You have all the treasure that you need in front of you. You just need to let people play. Yeah, definitely. And also just stepping outside of uh, your day to day. It's so important because it really, really kickstarts all the neurons in your brain. If you step away from your daily routines and tasks and do something that is completely different, it really helps you relax. It helps you stay grounded. And when you get back to your work you now feel re-energized and doing this this is why also a lot of companies pre-corona were offering and now even you know online yoga sessions meditation um Mm -hmm. all these things that seem like a silly waste of time 
actually are allowing people to get a breather, get the break that they need and socialize with other people also in the group and really come back fresh. And It's so important that people go out on a walk Yeah, many times a day if, if it's possible, but at least twice. Oh, absolutely. Walking right. meetings should be a thing. Like, they're really so important. I find that this is so helpful for me to be out either walking, biking, listening to a podcast or listening to a book. I'm just right now listening to How Emotions Are Made by Lisa Feldman Baird. She's a, she's a professor out of Northeastern University. I think this was uh, another favorite part of me working in L&D was just reading books is part of my work. So people would sometimes back in social semantics still see me like on the couch reading a book on high performance and you know and they would like she actually working i was actually working i was mm -hmm. studying and then you can implement this in your workshops you can implement this and help people you know teach them different methods when you are yourself always up to date but if you never have the time to do your own reading and developing this is also very difficult so mm -hmm. making it part of your work is great <laughs> yeah well dream come true <laughs> so would you be able to give our audience a few tips or practical tips where they can kickstart their learning and development on individual level, what would you say are the good ways to start? Is it books? Is it some exercises? I believe it's very individual. So everyone learns differently and assuming that everyone has the same approach to learning is just completely wrong and this is what I see also in big organizational learning and development you know you're trying to kind of streamline something mm -hmm. that will work for everyone and that it meets the business needs you know and most of this is business needs let's face it and then the rest is just you know the the L&D people trying to design some development into it you know to just make it work mm -hmm. and I feel this is a bit difficult to get the best out of people in this in this way because not everyone learns the same and while a blended approach and this is why the blended approach is you know trying to kind of hit all the marks some people prefer to listen to podcasts other will look at a video someone will really read it's not really always satisfying for everyone so I believe if you really are keen on developing yourself you need to find methods that really suit you best mm -hmm. and find what you're good at, what you're strong at. So to figure out what you value, like your values in general, but what you value in terms of learning, figure out how you absorb information best. Is it through reading books like Bill mm -hmm. Gates? Or is it by listening to podcasts like this? Or do you wanna uh, learn by doing, which is how most people really do. So just interact, allow yourself to make mistakes in the learning process have this mm -hmm. like be very open-minded towards this and i think it will help you grow loads mm -hmm. so i guess the first step would be just reflection reflection and absolutely pen and paper and sitting down and figuring out what are your values in terms of learning and what do you really want to learn what you're passionate about yes what are the formats of learning that you enjoy yes and exactly. then going and seeking out those formats um, and we will link to your LinkedIn profile so people can always come and ask you for advice. <laughs> yes, no, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, help uh, whenever I can. But it is very, very individual. And, and, and once you find what really suits you, just enjoy it. And living in this world where we have so much virtual resources, you just can go and find what really is best for you. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, while some people really enjoy listening to podcasts, I know people who hate them. And 
and vice versa i had friends who hated reading books but were very interested in the content so they would like can you summarize it to me mm -hmm. you know so so yeah so they can use blinkist exactly blinkist, blinkist is, a is a tool blinkist is amazing yes. as well is there any platform that you particularly like using for yourself for myself so i like using blinkist i also like udemy a lot because it's accessible you know i realized i was unemployed for about six months so i realized i need to make the best of this and um not to kind of stagnate in my life and just spending your days i can't believe you would ever be able to stagnate with all of your energy <laughs> i know but it is it is very kind of simple to fall into a rut when you don't have like a routine like a, i go to work at eight or i start working at eight from home now mm -hmm. these days it's just you know you can kind of also spiritually falter a bit in those days so i remember what i did i realized okay i need i need a little bit of structure it doesn't need to be the same thing every day but i found a few courses on udemy that i found extremely interesting like on neurolinguistic programming and stuff that i didn't have the time to really digest in my working days so i really focused on that so i took like two hours a day i would just learn a bit and then go for a run and you know try to keep active in this way you know, when I was applying for jobs and also getting rejected because today this is how things work. Uh, it was so much easier to deal with my emotions then because, yes, feeling getting rejected is obviously a hard feeling to cope with, especially professionally. A lot of people fall through, realize their confidence starts to falter when they cannot find a job easily. And these days it's not easy in a pandemic to do so without really feeling like um, your value and your worth is impacted. And this is why self-development is so important. When you work on yourself and when you understand that getting rejected from a job just in no way reflect on your value and your worth it helps you so much and it helps you pick the right job as well if you see a company that is not really fitting with your values and you would feel like working there would internally really cause you suffering you should definitely refuse to do that and keep on moving on and finding the things that fulfill you and give you joy now that i look at job offers sometimes on linkedin i actually to be very honest, I don't even read through the description. <laughs> I only look at the company and try to figure out if, if whatever they're doing is something that I would follow along. Is that, is that Does that suit my values? Yes. Does it go along with my values? And if so, and it's more or less in the area that I could contribute, then I would apply for that job. I haven't applied to any, but my point is that to what you're saying, it's so important that... You only go after what is really helping you grow as well. Yes. And even though it's very hard, like you said today, to really find a job very quickly, mm -hmm. that ability to continuously learn and build up your skill set, if not in the week one, but maybe in week eight, is going to help you get the role that you really want. Okay, so Udemy is a, is a platform that you like. Blinkist is Blinkist. also, as we mentioned before, is quite amazing. And now you have podcasts on Spotify as well. So yeah. you, can, you can check that so out. So much. Yeah, you can learn from yeah, podcasts as well. I, I think all my education around neuroplasticity comes from listening to podcasts. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I've read a few books as well. So it's just uh, podcasts and yeah, 
are amazing. Yeah. Most of my book uh, recommendations come from podcasts because I yeah. listen to a neuroscientist here and there or someone who's very interesting Definitely. and mostly they come out on podcasts to promote their new books. So Exactly. I fall for I'm re- I'm really big on TED Talks though. Just this is my Achilles heel like and also you know the YouTube rabbit hole that you <laughs> fall into <laughs> because you know you you look at one and then you know 5 hours later you're an expert on everything. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's really sure. good. It's yeah. uh, but it's it's very inspiring as well. This is this is the thing, you know, sometimes you need a bit of inspiration to get going and get learning again and get interested in things so yeah ted talks and like stuff like this is great yeah yeah we're definitely very weird (laughs) both of us so (laughs) spending time watching ted talks mostly (laughs) Um, okay so before we move to my favorite part of the podcast which is the vp roulette we're going to touch upon the big future of learning because i know that you have a very specific view on where do you think things are going and i would more than anything love to hear what you think about where we're going to head uh, with how people learn how people develop in 2021 well, and <laughs> years to come hopefully <laughs> well i my my biggest hope is definitely that learning will turn towards gamification and uh, if there's ever any uh, gaming app or something that is catering towards uh, learning and development please find me yes <laughs> my linkedin is in this <laughs> Is in the show notes. Is in the notes, yeah. I would definitely love to work on, on a project like this where you help people actually kickstart their development room. I think we can make yeah. it happen. I think yeah. we can find people that have enough money and enough experience in designing games to let us go in and design it in a way that yeah. it actually helps Exactly, people. and now we know people who do funding for crazy ideas like ours. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe this is going to be our next business idea. You never yeah. know. Maybe that's what we should do. <laughs> yeah, our calling. But no, absolutely, as, as we said, my biggest vision for, for learning in the future is gamification. So not going forward, but again, backwards to how we learned as children and how we best can really use our creative energy. I think that's, this is going to be the future and virtually we can achieve a lot of this and hopefully one day when this whole pandemic is over and people can get back to workshops, we can apply all of these games still. And a lot of workshops are based on games and people usually have great fun. They come out revitalized because, you know, they got to play. <laughs> this is something we adults forget yeah we just need to make life more fun absolutely (laughs) we've had a terrible year everyone needs to have some fun and then we all need to continue to grow so we'll just put the two and two together and i mean this year has been has been very terrible in many ways but it has also been if you look at it from a different perspective a little bit of a blessing for people to realize what actually matters and to really start showing gratitude towards the things that they would take for granted, you know, seeing their families, spending time with their friends, doing all these things that actually really fulfill you in the end of the day. And having that taken away has really showed a lot of people what is the most important value out there. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just very hard for all of us who are lucky enough to have healthy families and healthy friends and and roof over our heads to be constantly saying how actually it's been a blessing because so many bad things have happened. And so I think this also just shows how uneven and unequal 
um, the world is really. It is. It is very much very uneven hard. and unequal, and it's it's you know there's been so many sad things happening, right? And it just you can't help but be influenced by what's going on in the world, all the craziness, and you know. And at this point, nothing surprises you. Same with me, you know. Mm -hmm. Just World War Two bomb <laughs> across mm -hmm. from my building last weekend. So yeah, it's unexpected. Not, not the message I, I thought I would get from you, <laughs> no, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I was not expecting this to happen. But I mean, it's 2020. Like, what yeah. did I expect? Yeah. <laughs> Why am I surprised at this point? Yeah. But as I said, I feel very lucky and very privileged having the roof over my head now a new job where I'm learning things and developing myself and my career further and opportunities like these like today just being able to talk about the things that I love most and which is growth development things that I value so thank you for that well I'm very glad that we got the chance but before I let you go <laughs> we're doing the VP roulette which is you choosing three numbers from one to ten and you get to answer random questions that I put together for every guest. Oh, good lord, Case. Mm, let's go with two, uh, five and eight. Question number two is, what would you do if money was not the issue? Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, I can talk about this for, for hours. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, well, if money was not an issue, I would definitely um, just be doing workshops with people. And if the pandemic was not the mm -hmm. issue. But I, I actually started working on a project last year with um, with Coco, also mm -hmm. one of our fellow um, socialmentics. And she's also my yoga teacher. So we kind of started working on a, on a program together of how to build authentic confidence through applying body, mind, spirit work. Uh, and we came together with this wonderful program. Uh, and we haven't been actually able to do this because it's more like a retreat program. Mm -hmm. uh, we just had one one session where we had a few friends. We were trying it out and it was amazing. So this is something that I would really like to kind of like focus more on, uh, just stepping away from all the crazy business world and really focusing on how to give people uh, stuff that they can use and confidence was the first topic that we kind of tackled and it was very interesting to me because I think everyone can use a little bit more confidence in their life to achieve things so I would definitely go back to doing loads of loads of workshops with people <laughs> Well, might be not a very distant future. Let's see. Hopefully, right? let's see. Let's see what, what the new year brings, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. And once you guys have it out, the program or the retreat, definitely ship it my way. Oh, so yeah, can, absolutely. We'll, you'll, share you'll get an invite. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but you can also just share it on my social media so that people can Amazing. get more confident with their life. Okay. Question five is, what are you most curious about these days? Ooh, mm, let me think. This is a this is a tough one. The, the thing that I'm most curious about, how to make the perfect cheesecake. Like lately, I've been struggling with that. Well, <laughs> Something there you fun. go. What, what have you found so far? <laughs> well, I, I have found that, um, that if you take these uh, Christmas cookies, these speculatis, and make like a nice flat dough, that you get uh, like a Christmassy cheesecake, which is not... not bad you know in this so it's like a philadelphia cheesecake but yeah. but tastes like gingerbread yes a little bit it's you know good. it's 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 an idea i'm just kidding but 
you know, I think in general, what has been occupying my mind lately a lot is how to have a more balanced life and energized life because I just started this new job and it's, uh, it's as any new job, it just takes a lot of energy, you know, and at the end of the day, I find myself like, okay, I need to go get back into my balance. So this has been a question that's been very top front. That and cheesecake, because I mean, cheesecake is the two most important things, things in life, life. balance and cheesecake. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but I think that's been on um, a lot of people's minds because of the pandemic and yeah. because of the stress that they are all trying to find a better way to, to live their lives and not lose track of them themselves, kind of you know, yeah. in the process. So, agreed. <laughs> and the question number eight is oh actually favorite game on your phone or favorite app on your phone oh all right let me think um i had to delete a lot of apps recently because i i reached my limit um i believe my favorite app is audible because i have all of my uh audiobooks on it mm-hmm. and it's just this is money well invested for me i ne- i'm never really i never get tired of audiobooks so that's my favorite app i'm also an audible subscriber even though I pay for it every month, obviously, mm-hmm. but you always get the credits, yes. right? And I always find that uh, it's so fun to like buy stuff with credits as if <laughs> I didn't pay for it, but I obviously pay for it. So nice yes. job gamifying this for me, Amazon. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, but I, yeah, I do like uh, I do like Audible as well, and looking forward to like December books because now I'm still on the yeah how emotions are made so. and this is amazing i had i still have two credits left so now i'm like Whoa! oh yeah, yeah, yeah. exciting <laughs> stuff for this one. yeah no i could i didn't have much time to you know look into new books these last two months with the new job but um i'm i'm definitely looking forward now you know christmas i'm gonna be listening to lo- loads of books yeah yeah because it seems we're not gonna travel far for, for yeah, christmas this year. no it, it doesn't seem like it but yeah i, I yeah I feel you like please send me on this book I would definitely love to listen to it I'm, I'm right now listening to Trevor Noah's mm. War on a Crime so mm-hmm. you know um, but on a different end of spectrum and, and a bit, bit yes and also it's very good I think sometimes you just need to relax and you know listen to something that's a little more fun but it's fun and educating and tragic at the same time it's brilliant I love it if you haven't mm. listened to it hardly recommend will do that will be yeah. maybe my christmas special yes go for it uh, <laughs> all right well thank you so much um Aries, for being on the podcast thank you it was such a pleasure <laughs> um so much fun talking to you about all of the development of learning in the future yeah. we will link to your profile we will also link to some good platforms where people can start and maybe figure out their own methodology for learning mm-hmm. and hopefully yeah. we will all grow together Absolutely. learning as kids and having fun and playing again. thanks again thank you again Yay.